morning and welcome to Atheist Talk on KTNF AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Good morning to all of you joining us locally by radio and streaming online. We appreciate you tuning in. Today is Sunday, March 18th, 2018. A happy belated St. Patrick's Day and St. Gertrude's Day for anybody who's going to be celebrating those. I'm your host, Hertzie Hertz, and I'm here in studio with Maddie Love. And on the phone, we have our awesome guest, Jonathan Tweet, author and game designer. Jonathan Tweet is an atheist organizer in Seattle and a children's science communicator. His career is in geeky game design, which is, may not be exactly related to atheism, but I'm pretty sure we have a meetup group who, who's maybe heard of his name or maybe have played one of his games, probably meets on Thursdays at one of the local gaming shops. <laughs> Uh, this is an open conversation, and we welcome and encourage listener interaction with, with your phone calls to 952-946-6205, your emails to radio at mnatheists.org, or tweet us at, at Atheist Talk. The phone number is only available when we are live, but you can always email or tweet whether we're live or you're listening to this in podcast form. Maddie, Jonathan, good morning, and welcome to Atheist Talk. Morning. Thanks. All right. Let me move over to the actual document we're going to use. So, Jonathan, you wrote a book called Grandmother Fish. Yep. What what is this what is this book about? <laughs> I'm guessing it's about a fish. So, uh, well, it it it's a trick because it seems like it's about a fish, but really it's about you. So, uh, this is the So, wait, I'm a fish. Story book to teach evolution to preschoolers. And so Grandmother Fish is our ancestor that lived 400 million years ago. And this is a story that um, demonstrates to even really young children how we're all part of the animal family and that we descended from animals that don't look anything like us, really. So it's a, it's a child's first book of evolution. And, of course, the next question is, why, why did you write this telling, telling children that they're all fish? Yeah. Uh, well, uh, it's, it's the descendants of fish, but yeah. Um, so when I had a, uh, a daughter, had a, you know, a little preschool daughter, I wanted her to know where we all come from. I wanted her to have the same sort of story that kids in all cultures have always had, a story that tells them about their origins and where we fit into the world and what have you. And since I'm a science geek, I wanted it to be a true story about evolution, and I started writing that book about 20 years ago now, and um, and I just felt like this book ought to exist. There ought to be an origin story for little kids that tells them the truth about where we come from. I think that's an awesome idea. Yeah, I was. I just Thank was you. flipping through the book this morning, and it was like, oh, this is cute because it like I liked how you broke it up between different animals, yeah. like. I don't want to say getting more complex because that's kind of like a lot of life is complex. But like as we got closer and closer to things that like people would identify as closer yeah. to human or whatever. Um, yeah. Th I thought that was brilliant the way you did it. And then the end, you how you bring Thank it all you. together and you've got like that, the whole tree and all the animals that we just looked at. It was, it was yeah. yeah, that was beautiful. Oh, yes. It, it really did come together well. And the, the reason that I did the book on uh, – Kickstarter is that um, when I told people I was doing a kid's book on evolution, their eyes would light up. Mm. And so I figured, well, I really have something here. I need to I need to make it really happen. 
Well, let's go back a little bit. Um, so you you were uh, you and I were emailing and such, and you had this shared document, um, and you said it took you fifteen twenty years to complete the book. Yeah. When, when did you know it was ready? Yeah. So um, you know, I was a professional game designer, and so this was a side project, and um, I thought it was ready about ten years in, and uh, someone who's a a book professional, children's book professional, sort of told me it wasn't ready. And so I just kept sort of noodling on it until finally in 2013 I had, um, you know, I was literally soaking in the hot tub. And I had that eureka moment where I realized that what the what the book needed was to have the children imitate the sounds and emotions of our ancestors. And so originally the book was about you know, Grandmother Fish had a tail. Do you have a tail? And it sort of was about body parts. It's mm-hmm. sort of a natural place to start. Um, and then when I changed that to actions, you know, Grandmother Fish could wiggle and swim fast. Can you wiggle? Like that, then it became interactive in a way that it never had been before. And it was able to reach children at an even younger age. And so then I knew I had it. Okay, I finally have, after 15 years, I figured out how to do it. And I was going to do a, like a, a cheap version, maybe a digital version, so I wouldn't even have to pay for printing and, you know, fund it out of my own money. But then when I told people about it, they were so excited about it that I thought it has to be a real thing. It has to be a real hardback book, you know, great art and what have you. And so um, I went the Kickstarter route to self-publish. And who's the artist on that? Because that art is absolutely amazing. Isn't that amazing? So um, I'm a game designer, so I have contacts. And uh, Karen Lewis, uh, she's local in, here in Seattle. She um, was a friend of a friend. Now she's a friend, obviously. Uh, but she is a children's science illustrator. And when she heard about this project, she knew she would be perfect for it. And she was. You know, she can make these animals look realistic enough that, like, a paleontologist can tell that Grandmother Fish is an Ishnacanthus or whatever. Um, but it has sort of a, a cheeky smile and, you know, appeals to children. And so she can really make that balance. And she helped me with the words and the structure of the story. And um, she brought, brought up the cute factor a lot. And uh, It is freaking uh, adorable. I mean, the, yeah, thank you. Yeah, the, it turned out so much better um, because she was uh, working on the project. Like, I asked her to draw Grandmother Ape, and she drew Grandmother Ape plus a baby ape. Well, that's twice as good, four <laughs> times as good. Right? So, yeah, I'm very happy. She's the one that sort of twisted my arm about putting the evolutionary tree in the back, right? It's big, full-color, two-page spread of, like, the entire tree of life, simplified for kids. I didn't want to do it because I said it was going to be a ton of work. And she wanted to do it because she said kids would just love it. And we were both right. It was a cut of work. The kids really love it. So are you guys ever thinking about maybe putting like together some, some grandmother fish toys? Uh, so, you know, those options are, um, we're going to pursue them once the book sort of really takes off, I would say. Um, like at this point, it's, it's well beloved in sort of the smaller circles of people who know about it, but, there just aren't a lot of parents going to stores looking for evolution kids evolution books for their kids yet. Yeah. So 
marketing for something like this is, is one of those where it's like people don't I don't think people necessarily know that they need slash want this until all of a sudden it's put in front of them and they're like oh because admittedly that's yeah I, I have a that's exactly right oh yeah I have a nibbling um, my, my sister's child yeah. And, you know, when I told her, I'm like, oh, by the way, I need I need you or your husband to read this to the nimbling. And it was like, oh, my God, after they were done, they're like, this this book is awesome. I want this book. <laughs> I'm oh, like, that's great. great. Yeah. I'm like, that's I mean, great because really you get it. it. Yeah. Yeah. On well, growing up, um, I had a, you know, I remember having a kid's Bible that was illustrated very much like this. And like my parents just having it in the house and just reading it, I was exposed to these ideas and I could see how having a, a book like this in the house, just kids reading it, they're seeing yep. it, they're being exposed yep. to ideas. I mean, I know we shouldn't try to indoctrinate people, but at well, the same time, I think it is good to help give them a vaccination of truth. I was going to say, and I think there's a, a major difference between vac- between um, indoctrinating them into something that doesn't have any provable right behind no, it. I agree and and like you know having that science i love the factor that you were talking about how the illustrator actually put it so that these are the actual animals in the family tree i'm like that is yeah. so cool i didn't even realize that because i'm not that science nerdy <laughs> yeah um, no I, I mean i'm a super science geek so i we went to a ton of trouble to get the science really right awesome. and I, I had to learn a lot of stuff about our past and our family tree and whatever in order to get this, it all correct. So you said that you did this on, on Kickstarter. How did that work? Uh, it turned out really well. Uh, we raised um, over $36,000 and we were able to fund, uh, you know, a modest print run of um, a self-published book. And, uh, and the other thing about Kickstarter is, by, by telling my friends and my colleagues and my contacts and whatever that I'm going to put this book on Kickstarter, it makes other people want to pitch in mm-hmm. because they see that I'm putting myself up there and I'm taking this risk and I'm trying to make something happen. So I really wound up getting a ton of support and really good advice from writer friends and um, other, you know, creative friends. Like I said, as a game designer, I've got lots of creative people in my circle. And so um, I was able to get help from the National Center for Science Education and sort of all sorts of resources. People online were helping me with that family tree. And, and sort of because I was doing it in public, like it's, here's this project that I'm trying to accomplish, it, it sort of inspired people to glom on and help and it made the book way better than it would have been if I had just sort of worked on it on my own. So I noticed that at the at the beginning at the front cover and the back cover there's there's all these names and such. Are each of those names of people who kickstarted? Yes, those are our backers. Yeah. Oh wow. I wish I had seen this when you were doing it. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, please stay with us through the break. We'll return to Atheist Talk with Maddie Love and Jonathan Tweet. I'm Hertie Hertz, and you're listening to AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota.
Welcome back to AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. You're tuned in to Atheist Talk, and I'm your host, Hertzie Hertz, in studio today with Maddie Love and our guest, Jonathan Tweet. Before we get back, however, I want to remind everyone listening live that immediately following this program, you can listen to American Atheist Viewpoint, an official production from American Atheists. Please note, you can always catch American Atheist Viewpoint by subscribing to the podcast version in iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or the podcast player of your choice. As for the here and now, if you'd like to get involved in the conversation with Maddie Love this morning and Jonathan Tweet, you can call us at 952-946-6205, email us at radio at mnatheist.org, or tweet us at at Atheist Talk, or join us on our Facebook page, Atheist Talk. Maddie, Jonathan, welcome back. Thanks. Thanks. All right, so when we left off, we had just finished your Kickstarter Um you know, you've yep. done the self-publishing, and I've noticed now that, that you seem to have a professional publisher. That's right, yeah. So, uh, we, we self-published in 2015, and and then um, somebody wrote, uh, Bar- uh, Barbara J. King wrote a, a blog post on uh, an NPR blog, their Cosmos and Culture blog, 13.7, and so she uh, picked up some of the more um, sort of academic reviews that had occurred on the online, and she wrote a really nice article about when you should, how young should a child be when you start talking to them about evolution. And then that article went viral, and um, my little print one sold out. <laughs> and so that was great. I wish I had printed twice as many. Uh, and then, uh, based on the strength of that, an agent got in touch with us. Uh, we signed on with that agent. He sent our, you know, complete manuscript with art and everything, uh, the PDF, out to a bunch of publishers. And pretty soon we had three publishers all bidding for the rights. Ooh, and we went with Macmillan. Wow. Was there a bidding war? A little bit of a bidding war. Oh, that must have felt good. It felt, I mean, it's really nice when major publishers are coming to you, you know, telling you how much they want your book. One publisher said it would be like a dream come true to publish that book because he'd wanted to do an evolution book for a long time we could never figure out how to get it done oh that is so awesome and like i said my my nibbling just absolutely adored it i mean he was doing all of the movements and crawling around yes. the floor it was so cute but well, right that's how their language started it as pantomime and mimicry and what have you like that's that's very natural for little kids so that all that mimicry stuff like crawling like a reptile uh, it's, it's just golden. It, it works way better than I ever even imagined. So, now obviously since this is a book aimed at children and has to do with evolution, I'm guessing that you have uh, creationists who are giving you grief about this. Yeah. How yeah. do you deal with that? Uh, well, you know, I'm on social media. I'm on Twitter and Facebook, and so it's really easy for creationists to sort of get hold of me and, and say mean things to me. Um, my... I try not to uh, respond to negativity with negativity, and so um, my go-to response is to tell these people that I I support their First Amendment right to teach kids what they believe, and I expect them to support my constitutional right to teach kids what I believe. That puts them in a really real quandary because they, at least on paper, they respect the Constitution and America and whatever, and they don't like being told that they're, you know, that they're they're violating the spirit of the First Amendment or what have you. That's the that's that that tends to deflate them a little bit. 
I'm, not, I'm actually on your website right now looking at uh, the religious meme that, that Grandmother Fish was incorporated into. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, they, they also did a video of me, uh, me and PZ Myers. PZ Myers is another um, evolution promoter on uh, with a big blog. Oh yes, he's um, actually he's actually in Minnesota, and yeah. so we've had him, we've had him as a guest before. Yeah, he was one of the very first big boosters for Grandmother Fish. I really appreciate that. And he and I are working together at the Science Museum of Minnesota, helping them with their new uh, evolution program. You should just see we're both like, oh, oh my, my god. god. <laughs> That's <laughs> uh, gonna be cool. I love I love going to the science museum, and now it's gonna be even better because it's like, oh yeah, I totally know two people who helped with that. Well, actually, we know three because it looks like uh, Greg Layden also helped with. with oh this my god! Okay, uh, so what we really need to do is when this. Okay, so we need to be in contact, and when this goes up, we can get Greg and PZ and you all in the same well relative room. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that sounds great. Oh, that is so awesome. <laughs> Yeah, Science Museum of Minnesota has some really um, ambitious plans for uh, teaching evolution. Oh, and yeah. they, they looped me in because, obviously, Grandmother Fish shows that, you know, I've got a knack for figuring out how to take a complicated topic and, and make it accessible. Yeah. Um, have, you, have you ever been to the Science Museum of Minnesota? Well, so they had me out there uh, That's, in yeah. February. And so, yeah, I, it's it's amazing. Oh yeah, my favorite yeah. my favorite part is a permanent exhibit in there that has all the different quackery from yeah from all yeah. over the place. That's, that's totally fun. And I just love the factor because I, I know it's a little bit older, you know, for the kids who are a little bit older, but it does teach that, you know, when does something get too too many promises? You right. know, how to critically think about that kind of stuff. Anyways, we got to get back to your book. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> I could totally talk about this, the well, science museum. I, I have a question. Like, I'm looking at your website and I see all these different places I can order it from: Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Walmart. Um, yeah. What place? Like, so, so if I'm a fan and want to make sure you get the biggest cut of the, the little bit of money that I'm going to spend, <laughs> what's the best place for people to order this book? Yeah. So call around to all the friendly local bookstores. What? Do you have a big wild rumpus? Is that a? Did I get that name right? That sounds um, familiar, maybe. No. I, I live in the cities, and yeah. all my local bookstores are Barnes & Noble. Well, isn't there so, a red balloon, though, uh, on Grand? Call around to any any brick-and-mortar bookstore, ask if they have it, and you know, buy it from some... Um, uh, you know, that that is the best way for them to learn that people want this book. Mm-hmm. You know, call them up, ask for it go buy it from there that that that's the thing that's going to help us the most that's good advice oh yeah i was going to say that and actually like you know tell those stores that you know if they start carrying it they should post it on some social media spots yeah yeah because i mean I'm, so I'm, the, the the biggest thing that people can do to help me is to share posts on twitter or facebook grandmother fish has a uh page on both of those and that seems to be the most effective way uh, to sort of help spread the word. Is, is Grandmother Fish also kind of like Sue the T-Rex? Does she tweet? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I I tweet as the author of Grandmother Fish. I don't tweet as Grandmother Fish. Okay, so. okay. I can get that. I can see that. It's a little harder to tweet to three-year-olds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also, fish are not as interesting as uh, a T-Rex. Hmm? 
I'm sorry, what do you say? A, fi- a fish is not as interesting as a Tyrannosaurus Rex. Neither is. are puppies, and yet Paw Patrol is all my three-year-old grandson wants to watch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it makes me glad that my, my nibbling lives out in Washington State, because then I don't have to listen to it all the time. <laughs> um, so what's, what's your favorite line that you've gotten from a creationist? Uh... Favorite line I've gotten from a creationist, uh, you know the. Um, sure, ask him a question right before we go to break. What, what a great yeah, question! Like, <laughs> if nothing else, he can think about it while we're on break. There you go. All right. Well, with that, we'll return with our with Maddie Love and Jonathan Tweet right after the break. Stay with us, and I'm Hertzie Hertz, and you're listening to Atheist Talk on KTNFAM nine fifty, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Thank you for tuning in to Atheist Talk on AM 950 KTNF. I'm your host, Hertzie Hertz, and in studio we have Maddie Love, and on the phone we have Jonathan Tweet, and I'd say we're having a fascinating conversation. But before we continue this conversation, which will be our final segment with Maddie and Jonathan, there's a bit of housekeeping I need to attend to. Atheist Talk is produced with the funding for Minnesota Atheists and Cucumbers Restaurant in Edina, Minnesota. Please consider visiting our sponsors, and if you do, let them know that you appreciate their support of Atheist Talk. If you'd like to advertise on the program and help keep us on the air, please contact us at radio at mnatheist.org. I also want to note our dedicated group of volunteers and the generous donations of you, our listeners. You help keep Atheist Talk on the air and in podcast form. I also want to note our donors of the week are Cindy, Eric, and August, and our new patrons, Carissa and Larry. Thank you so much. And if you're able to help with the donation, please consider doing so at our radio fund page or at our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Atheist Talk. Minnesota Atheist is a 501c3 tax-deductible organization. We couldn't do this show without you, and we deeply appreciate your support. No, seriously. Very appreciative. Music for Minnesota Atheists is by composer and member Brent Michael Davis and is used with permission. Please note all opinions are the guests and hosts only and do not necessarily reflect those of Minnesota Atheists as an organization. As always, check out the Minnesota Atheists website for podcasts of previous programs. You can browse articles, book reviews, per- and peruse the calendar for upcoming events, like Thursday nights at Fantasy Flight, where we do game night. <laughs> you can sign up for Atheists Weekly email, which will give you a link to all... C- of the upcoming events. It's a great way to stay connected with your community. If you enjoy the show and all that Minnesota Atheist has to offer, please consider becoming a member of Minnesota Atheist while you're on the website. Membership has some great perks. Check out the website for how and what. With all this relevant and useful information out of the way, let's get back to our conversation with Maddie and Jonathan. Hey. Hello. So, uh, oh. I've got an answer. Woohoo! For uh, two answers. So, the... Uh, sort of my, uh, that most of the creationists don't have anything interesting to say. You might be surprised to hear that. Um, <laughs> I did get Ken Ham to refer to me as aggressive, Ooh. and that was nice. Um, but I think the the best comment I got was from a creationist who said, there are already a million preschool books on evolution for kids. Why do we need another one? Did he could well, could this creationist name like one? Yeah, <laughs> there's none. Yours. Yeah, there were there, like, like at some point I went and looked to see. I wanted to see what the other evolution books for preschoolers were like, so I could compare the book that I was working on. Well, there's no other preschool books for kids on evolution. I went to like the the preschool science section in a bookstore. There's no preschool science section. No. 
Dang it, Google, you have destroyed another argument. <laughs> my, my arguments are the one, my favorite arguments are the ones that can be disproven with a cursory Google search. <laughs> right, exactly. So at the beginning of the show, we, we noted that you are a game designer. And, yeah. And so what games have you designed? So I've, uh, I work on tabletop games, so it's mostly role-playing games with, you know, pencils and dice and what have you. Mm. Um, the most, I guess, the most played game that I did was um, the third edition of Dungeons & Dragons back in 2000. I was the lead designer on that. Uh, and that game reinvigorated the Dungeons & Dragons brand and did a lot to reinvigorate, you know, role-playing games and... Um, it's still like that version of Dungeons and Dragons that I was the lead on all those years ago is still being played pretty faithfully by people who play Pathfinder um, or people who just still use the old third and three five books. Nice. So that's my big thing uh, in terms of uh, commercial success and name recognition. I've done a bunch of role-playing games, and they're all very different from each other. And they um, so Ars Magica and Everway and Over the Edge, and and they're very um, they sort of push story and they push character more than you see in a lot of uh, sort of their um, contemporaries. And in fact, the, the Over the Edge role-playing game from '92 that was a big sort of. Uh, a big inspiration for a lot of people who are big names now in role-playing games like uh, Jason Morningstar and um, Vincent Baker and Ron Edwards. So that's uh, that was that over the edge was like a, a labor of love project, sort of like Grandmother Fish was, and um, came at games from a different way, sort of like Grandmother Fish comes at evolution from a different way, and um, really had a big influence on people doing what are now called, uh, you know, the indie role-playing games. Nice. I, I might have to get the list of the other ones. I got over the edge. I, I am a role-player. Um, I did not re- I did a little bit of 3.5 and then yep. admittedly did a lot of 4.0. I like yep. that. <laughs> um, but now I'm I'm at a 5th edition right now. Okay, well, 13th Age uh, is uh, maybe something you should take a look at. It is a, a version of Dungeons & Dragons, basically, using the open game license. Uh, I I wrote it with Rob Hainso. I was the lead designer on third, and he was the lead designer on fourth. And 13th Age is our version of the game, what we would do if we didn't have corporate masters to be beholden to. <laughs> oh, I will totally be taking a look at that. Um, so it's more story, uh, more exciting combat, um, more more creativity, and you can pull all sorts of good stuff out of it and drop it right into a fifth edition campaign. Score. So... You also mentioned at some either on the show or in one of our earlier conversations that you have a sh- game in production about evolution. That's right. Um, it's called Clades, uh, and a clade is a complete branch of the evolutionary family tree. So this is a card game where um, players make matches of cards, three cards that go together, and one of the ways that they match those cards is according to their evolutionary relationships. So it just teaches kids how to sort of sort animals according to common descent, according to which which ones have the most recent common ancestor. 
So, it also teaches kids that reptiles and birds go together into the one same group uh, called the sauropsids. Interesting. So, so grandmother fish is for like the three-year-olds and such, and this might be more for like the ten-year-olds. Well, this is uh, ages six and above. Oh, um, nice. But, uh, but you're you're competing against the other players to be the first to spot the matches on the cards that are on the table. So the older the other players are, the more difficult the game becomes. Like, it scales up pretty well. I know a, a, a middle school teacher of uh, biology, and he said that Kalades really elicited from the students, you know, these sort of deep questions that they wouldn't ask if they were just taking in the material passively. But because they're, you have to sort of understand how these animals relate in order to match them, it, it prompts all sorts of questions, and I've seen that, too, among people who are looking at the cards. Like, oh, what about bats? Are bats mammals? Yes, bats are mammals. That sort of thing. This and also just, like, you know, what's more related to what and and um, and what have you. Yeah. It sounds like a cross between uh, Go Fish and a game that we call Speed up here, or <laughs> California Speed, where, like, you have to, like... And oh, yeah. I, obviously, I haven't played your game yet, but is it... Are you, like, competing? Like, whoever can pick up the card the fastest is able to get it? Yeah, so, so it's uh, a lot like set, where you have a bunch of cards laid out on the table, and the trickiest to spot which of them go together into a, a match. Okay. okay. And so, you, so you're never sitting around waiting for someone else to take their turn. Everybody's sort of going at the same time. And and that makes it good for large groups. That makes it good for kids. And then it's it's just a bunch of cards that have pictures of animals on them. And they're, they're Karen Lewis's art, so they're Karen Lewis's cute animals. And, and, um, and one of the tricks, part of the whole point of the game is one of the animals pictured there is a human. And you get to see that, oh, humans are sort of closely related to rodents and to uh, rabbits. And uh, just putting a human in that context as one more animal that's related to all the other animals, that's sort of big part of the subliminal message. And then we raise enough money on Kickstarter for that game that not only do we have clades, but we also have clades prehistoric, which is basically the same game, but it's prehistoric animals, so dinosaurs and pterosaurs and sea scorpions, giant millipedes, all sorts of stuff. Oh, I have a feeling that is going to go over very, very well with those who like the, the giant big bugs. Yes, yeah. And so actually, those <laughs> games are both being published uh, right there in Minnesota by uh, Atlas Games. I love Minnesota. We have such the yeah, best Yeah, Minnesota great. You should join us, Jonathan. You should move here. No, as somebody <laughs> from Washington State, stay where you are. We're coming to you. Uh, I, yeah, I've lived in Minnesota, and I'm staying in Seattle. But I, I love to visit the Twin Cities. Really, I had a really great visit there when I uh, came in to work at the Science Museum of Minnesota. I had a great visit at uh, First Unitarian Society in Minneapolis. They started as a Charles Darwin reading club like over 100 years ago, like in the 80s or something. So they were a Charles Darwin reading club before they were a Unitarian congregation, and then they were the Apparently, the center or the you know of um, congregational humanism. So uh, they did a big Darwin Day event, and I read the book to the whole congregation. And it was really great. 
Nice. So do you have any other evolution communication projects going on? Anything you can give us yeah, like well, some details? Uh, so Science Museum of Minnesota is doing a really audacious three-part program, um, and they're planning on not just teaching evolution to, like, middle schoolers, but figuring out how to teach difficult topics to middle schoolers in general or to, to museum goers in general. So it's very ambitious. They're going to try lots of different things. They're going to test lots of different things, have multiple kinds of activities. Uh, seems seems really great. So that'll be a lot of fun. And then um, Clay's and Clay's Prehistoric have just about hit the warehouse, so they're going to be... Um, probably on store shelves early in April, uh, maybe by the end of March. And then uh, Karen and I have a concept for an even simpler sort of evolution-themed game for our uh, evolution-themed book for kids. So, uh, so we'll see. Awesome. Yeah. And if our listeners wanted to find you, where can they find you? So Facebook and uh, Twitter are great. I'm on Google+, Plus, but not many people are. So Facebook and Twitter, I always tell people, Grandmother Fish is there. Um, and uh, you can find out all the stuff that um, I'm doing in terms of evolution. And then uh, I'm also there as Jonathan Tweet. I'm Twitter on Jonathan M. as a Michael Tweet. Uh, and there's where I talk about games and politics and, uh, and what have you. Those are all good. Awesome. Is there anything else you want to share with us quick? No, I mean, I, I'm really happy to talk to people in Minnesota. I think that, uh, you know, like my um, family all has, uh, our, our relatives are there. It's sort of where my blood is from. And I grew up in Illinois, but I went to school in Minnesota and lived in Minneapolis for a while. And so, um, yeah, I think that, like, the Minnesota population is uh, sort of literate and, um you know, it's just I, so it reminds me a lot of the Seattle area population. And so, uh, yeah, I think I'm hoping that my book will find a great um, reception there. Well, thank you very much, Jonathan. Have a good day. You bet. Thanks.